is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here, as always, with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. And today we're doing something we've never done before on our podcast. That's right, Pastor Jimmy. We talk a lot about our Church for the Rest of Us conference, and we know many of you were here with us on March 2nd. We had a great day of learning from each other, and we had so many incredible breakouts. And even those who came to the conference couldn't go to all the breakouts. So we're bringing you the greatest hits of this year's Church for the Rest of Us conference. Yeah, and today we're starting off with a really hot topic. So at our conference, we did a workshop on gender identity and student ministry trips, because at Family Church, we're learning how to navigate youth events in the context of a rising LGBTQIA plus minus ampersand extension movement. Exactly. And because we have kids in our church that, you know, have all kinds of gender confusion or same-sex attraction. And so we're trying to figure out how do we have a student ministry that still works while we minister effectively, compassionately, but truthfully with kids with all of these different things going on in their hearts and minds. And so we're figuring out how to develop policies and procedures that create safe, inclusive environments while we still move the gospel forward and hold up God's design. Well, today we have Pastor Tyler Core and Victoria Rodriguez here to present to you, our listeners, material from their workshop at our conference. Hey, thanks for joining us. My name is Tyler Core, and I get the privilege of serving as the campus pastor at Family Church Gardens, and I'm joined today by Victoria Rodriguez. Hello, everyone. And Victoria is our administrative assistant for all of our student ministries across our family of churches at Family Church and does an amazing job. So, Victoria, you keep all the plates spinning yes. and you run the show. We all know how that works. Yeah, yeah. I take all of their great ideas and try to make <laughs> sense of it all logistically. Yeah. Well, you and I had the privilege of working together because for the first four years that I was at Family Church, I also got to help oversee all of our campuses from sixth grade through college ministry. And so mm-hmm. you and I got to work closely together. And one of the final things that we worked on before I transitioned into my current role is the topic that we're talking about today, which is gender identity and youth trips. This is something that we started seeing over the last couple of years as we were taking fall retreats and student camps and even mission trips as we were bringing students who were identifying somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. And we really felt like this is a time in our culture that we needed to sit down and actually figure out what are our policies and Mm -hmm. procedures so that we can create a safe and inclusive environment for these kids to actually come on these trips and flourish. And we actually went through a time where we called other churches and we called most significant student camps across the country, many that you would be familiar with. And we asked them, what is your policy on this topic? How do you handle this? Because this is a wave that is, I mean, it's not even crested yet, but it is building. And so what do you do? And I got crickets. Mm -hmm. Nobody had any, you remember making those calls. Nobody had anything to give us. The policies and all of that when we're asking for them. Mm -hmm. So we kind of sat down as a team and said, okay, well, let's do our best to take a first stab at it. And what we came up with today is what we're going to share with you 
on the podcast, but man, what an interesting topic, isn't it, Victoria? Yeah, important topic. I mean, we all have memories growing up of just significant overnight experiences when it comes to deepening our faith, whether that was a student camp, a fall retreat, like you're talking about, like summer mission trips. I really think that that's a catalyst for a lot of high school and middle school students in their faith. Like it's a time where they get to come together and, and really disconnect and what we say here at Family Church is the change of place, change of pace, it ultimately leads to a change of heart. So it's really cool to see like what it used to be, but also it used to go from purples and it used to go from blues and reds, right? And now we're going mm-hmm. into pinks, right? <laughs> and that used to be a very simple question of, hey, how do we get boys and girls from stopping mixing? But now we have deep blues that we have to worry about and we have <laughs> deep pinks that we have to worry about and just a lot of the nuances that come with that. And it's it, confusing, isn't it? It is. Cause, cause tension. It used to be in student ministry on these trips, it was just like, hey, the basic rule was boys yep. don't go into girls' rooms and girls don't go into boys' rooms. But now you got a lot of different situations yep. where you've got certain boys in boys' rooms, certain girls in girls' rooms. And so the lines are getting blurred. It's creating some pretty uncomfortable situations. Absolutely. And so we want to be as clear as we can with how are we going to address these to create a distraction-free environment mm-hmm. so that kids can experience the Holy Spirit in a fresh way on these trips. So I love that. And one of the ways that we want to think about it, of course, Pastor Jimmy always does a great job of leading our staff Mm -hmm. to first think theologically about an issue and our theology should inform our philosophy Mm -hmm. and then our philosophy should inform our methodology. So I'd like to start off by talking about our theology on this issue, just so that we can be very clear about what we believe, and then see how that has played itself out practically and where we've landed on this subject. So I'd love just to read the central text for human gender and sexuality, which is Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So I'll read it, and then we'll, we'll discuss it for a second. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we can see three big things from this text that God's design for men and women includes three things. First, it includes fundamental equality, fundamental equality. So theologians call this concept, and all of our listeners know this concept as the imago Dei, that we're made in the image of God. And this is what makes human beings special, that every person has value that is inestimable because they're made in the image of God, which means... Every baby in the womb is made in the image of God. That's why we are a pro-life church. Every elderly person who's losing their memory is made in the image of God. All the kids in the Special Olympics are made in the image of God. Every person from every place and every nationality and every language is made in the image of God, and they matter. People who've committed crimes, they're made in the image of God. People who vote different than you or believe different than me, they're made in the image of God. Straight people, gay people, trans people— all have tremendous value and worth because they're made in God's image. And this is not just fundamental human equality, but it's fundamental equality between the sexes. As male and female, he created them, and neither of them did he create more godly or godlike. 
All right. So you've got fundamental equality, but then there's also fundamental differentiation that you see in this text. In other words, he made them male and female. They're distinct from one another. They're different from one another. Not just that we can like make funny jokes or write books about, you know, men being from Mars and women from Venus, but there's this distinct maleness and femaleness and they're both made in the image of God and they're anatomically different. It's like when <laughs> my wife and I are, are having a baby in October and it's funny, you know, you go to the ultrasound tech and when you're trying to figure out what gender it is, that ultrasound tech is looking for something very specific to determine, <laughs> are you going to have a boy or are you going to have a girl? There's fundamental differentiation. And then number three, there's fundamental interdependence. In other words, men and women in this text are made to work together it takes man and woman to be fruitful and multiply and to take dominion. We got to do that together. It's a team job that requires us to lean on one another. And so those are the three big things that I think kind of inform our theology, but that plays out kind of philosophically in a lot of ways, doesn't it, Victoria? Mm-hmm. With that, there's Christians and then there's the theological beliefs that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And what we believe with family church and what we believe is in line with the gospel is that biological sex and gender should match. So we see sex is what's assigned to you at birth and gender is what you choose to present as. And so with that, we believe that biological sex and gender should match. We also believe that heterosexual attraction is God's design and our goal as Christians. There are a lot of people who experience that same-sex attraction, and we're not sure why, but we do know that it's our social schemas and our lived-out experiences that kind of develop how we interact with those world influences and the major influences that we have in those experiences. So when we have students that make that known to us, we want to be very clear that we want to be compassionate to that, and we never want to push them down or make them feel isolated along with that. So Mm -hmm. heterosexual attraction is God's design and our goal. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, Christians should date and marry other Christians. We see that in 2 Corinthians 6.14 when it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And that means that you should only date Christians because you usually marry someone that you date. That's profound. Yes, (laughs) very true. How often? Yeah. (laughs) All right, what's the next one? The next one is sexual expression and experience is for marriage. So what is classified as sex? The more sexual experience you reserve for marriage, the better off you're going to be. So we believe that sexual expression is supposed to be experienced within God's design for marriage, one man and one woman. And with that, marriage is for life. We acknowledge that all have sinned in this area and nobody is pure. So we acknowledge that God's grace is big within that. And with all of the brokenness that we interact with, with marriage, with husbands and wives, and them coming together, bringing their brokenness into that marriage, we believe that God does put grace over that. Mm -hmm. He wants that to flourish. And it is a great example of his relationship with us. And he wants that to be eternal. So we believe that marriage is for life. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And as such, we are some of you. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So we're seeing that in that eternal concept and promise that God wants with us within the Mm -hmm. confines of what Christians believe with marriage. Yeah, amen. That's a powerful text. I think one of the greatest things we can give to 
our students and our young people, but also to our parents is clarity. Mm -hmm. I hear it all the time because we try to be extremely clear about what we believe and how we approach these issues. And truth be told, our kids are looking for truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, everywhere they look, somebody's trying to tell them something and get in their head. And so we want to be very clear with them about what we believe and what the Bible teaches on these subjects and how God has designed them to function and to flourish in all of these areas. And I love that text. It's encouraging because I do talk to parents and parents will tell me, I don't feel like I am equipped or good enough to talk to my kids mm -hmm. about these topics because I've sinned too much. I haven't been perfect in this area. And so I don't feel like I'm able to have these conversations with my kid. But what that first Corinthians six text reminds me of is like, thank goodness that you're not the example mm -hmm. Jesus is. And so it gives you a great way to approach it to say, listen, I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. And so let me talk to you about him and his design in this area. Now, I do hope somebody that was listening to that took notes and wrote these down because these are great ways to talk about this and to teach this to your youth group or to your parents, just great handles and a framework for how to think about it. But that's the theological perspective that we're approaching this topic from. But then you got to say, okay, well, based off of all that, how do we take kids on a youth trip? How do we take kids on yeah. an overnight camp? Right. There's a lot of problems that come up with that. And I will say on our last camp that we took, we had at least 12 openly gay students on mm -hmm. our trip and they had an incredible experience. They had a great time. And there's some really good conversations that I could share with you off the air at another time. But we took our theology on this topic and we got together as a team and said, okay, well, what are we going to do? And I just want to share with you what we came up with. We have a document that we came up with, and I'd be happy for anybody who's listening that would like me to email this to them. If they email me at tcore at gofamilychurch.org, I'd be happy to respond to send them this document. But this is a document that we made that we give out in our parent meetings before any trip. And then we also go over it with our students before. The key is before you ever even go on the trip. And right at the top of the page, it says what our goal is. And our goal is we want to create a safe and inclusive environment for every student. And it's laid out as ABC. It's as simple as ABC for the old school Baptist. You, <laughs> you got to acknowledge and then behave and then communicate. So let me just walk through what this sheet is, and then we'll, we'll talk through it. But First, we ask parents to acknowledge family church's belief on gender and sexuality. So when they go to sign their child up for a trip as part of the registration process, they have to acknowledge all of those things that you and I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So here is our belief on gender and sexuality. It's attached to your biological sex. It's God's design and our goal. It's reserved for marriage. Everything that you just listed out, Victoria. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. We're not telling the parents that they have to believe that in order to send their kid on our trip. But what we're asking them to do is acknowledge that we believe it. So A, acknowledge. Then B is behave. In light of our theology, here's how we're asking kids on our trips to behave. And we've these are some time-tested things that are very specific that might seem odd to you, but we have found these are key areas that become significant distractions at camp and in other places. And so the goal is, all right, we want to create as few distractions as possible so kids can be focused on God while they're on these trips. Mm -hmm. So here's how we ask them to behave in a way that's informed by our belief. There's five things. Number one, no more than one person in the same bed at any time. 
All right. So you have a bed, you're assigned your own bed and you cannot get in another person's bed ever. Even if it's two girls that just want to sit and have a conversation, you're not allowed to do that. So you have your own bed so you can sit in your own bed. So number two is no entering a bedroom or bathroom that does not match your biological sex. Number three is no nudity in public areas, including common areas in bathrooms. So again, one of the issues that you are getting into is if you have a common area in the bathroom, you're having, you know, boys or girls change openly in there. And that was creating some issues. And so we said, Hey, every, each of these places has a stall. So if you need to change clothes, you need to go in the stall and that's where that needs to happen. Okay. Then number four, no displays of romantic attraction, including, but not limited to handholding, kissing, hugging, cuddling, things like that. So anything that could be remotely classified as romantic attraction, PDA is the old school term used for this. We say, listen, we don't want to have any of that here. And that includes, again, you get into, you know, two girls who are just best friends that are holding hands, walking up to have lunch in the old days. That was fine. But now people start whispering, people start saying things. It creates a distraction and that spirals out of control really quick. So we don't want to have any of that. And then number five, no corrupt talk about sexuality or about race. We want our church environments to be such that they're bringing people up and making people feel better and more confident that they're edifying to people. So we don't want our words to distract from that. So acknowledge our beliefs and then behave in the ways that are informed by our beliefs. And then here's, here's what we ask our parents to do in our parent meeting before any of the trips. We ask them to see communicate with our staff. So we give them some examples. So on here, it says, hey, if my student has or is exploring their sexuality, we want to know about it. If your student's exploring or experiencing same-sex attraction, we want to know about it. Has your student been abused by an adult or another minor? We want to know about it. Has your student been accused of abusing someone else? We want to know about it. Does your student have a history of recreational drug or alcohol use? We want to know about it. And then are there any past or present incidents temptations or struggles. This is a very vague one on purpose or struggles that you're trying to manage that our team needs to know about. And what we tell our parents is virtually nothing that you could tell us in response to these questions is going to be disqualifying for your student to come on one of our trips. But what it's going to do is it's going to give us the opportunity to customize an experience for your kid on the trip where they can have a really great experience where they can feel loved and pulled in and pointed to Christ and not pulled down and pushed out. We want everybody to have a great experience. So we're able to take what these parents tell us and we're able to customize a great camp or trip experience for their kid. And I'll tell you, we had quite a few parents mm -hmm. that circled up with us after that parent meeting to say, Hey, I actually hadn't told you guys about this yet. Or, hey, this happened two years ago. Is this what you're talking about? And what that allowed our student team to do was to go back into our student meeting and allows us to be much more strategic with how we place students in rooming, what situations we put them in, different adult placements, small group placements. It just all of that matters to making sure everybody has a really good experience. And then in addition to that, it allows us to shepherd these people so much better because we know what they're actually going through and what they're dealing with. Yeah, once we kind of explain that why to a lot of parents, they are very encouraged with the way that our team wants to develop an environment for their student to experience a good place, a good place with good 
Christian friends to come around them and really encourage them. So most parents, once they hear that why, are always encouraged with the way that our team kind of handles the planning of what the camp looks like yeah. with the overnight experience. Well, they, they feel like we have their back. Yeah. And they feel like we're with them. And mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way. When parents feel like the church has my back, that goes such a long way in creating buy-in and engagement mm-hmm. with what you're doing. So here's the process. We would take this document. They had to acknowledge these things on the application. Then we would have a parent meeting where we went through these things. I'll tell you, quite frankly, I was concerned that when I went over this the first time in our parent meeting, the parents were going to be like, what am I sending my kid to? (laughs) And the truth is it was the exact opposite. The parents that came up to me afterwards were like, I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that you're thinking about this because this is permeating our culture. It's permeating our society. And I'm grateful that my church is on top of it. And think about it. So it was a million attaboys from the parent meeting. So we talk about it at the parent meeting. And then the day of the trip, we talk about it with the students. So when they come in and they check in for our trip, we kind of put them in a holding tank for a little bit until we throw them on the buses. And before we go on the buses, we walk out and we, you know, we'll do something to make sure they're excited about the trip. Mm-hmm. We might play a game, a game or yeah. do something like that. It's it's fun. But then we also talk through some of the expectations for the trip and we kind of get all the rules out before we even depart for the trip. That way, everybody's heard it. The kids know that the adult leaders have heard it. The adult leaders know that the kids have heard it. So everybody's working off the same operating rules. If I could be transparent, I love sharing ministry failures. I'm a king of ministry failures, and I've got plenty of stories, and this is one of them. So the first year that we rolled this out at camp, I made the mistake. I did not go through this before we left for the trip. I went through with the parents, did not go through it with the kids. And so we get to camp, and I'm telling you, within the first five hours, the amount of issues that had been created and the distractions that had been festering already were significant. And our adult leaders knew the rules, but the kids had not been told the rules, okay? So the adult leaders felt like I didn't set them up in an environment for success. And it doesn't matter how many times the students have been to these camps, they'll still kind of go crazy. It's been a year, right? And there's new people coming in, everything like that. So that was my bad. And (laughs) so the, the the big failure is that night, at the end of the worship night, I had to get up and like share these rules, which like at the end of a powerful worship service is not the time to be reading the list of behaviors and expectations that I just read to you on this podcast. However, I did that and I got up and I was like, Hey guys, want to have a family talk with you. And our band, I guess, did not get that I was about to have a serious conversation because the band just kept flowing. Like they were still in kind of a worship moment Mm -hmm. and I was going to come to kind of wrap it up in a beautiful way like that. And you remember this, don't you? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You hear just wonderful prayer pads happening in the background (laughs) and everyone's like, okay, he's going to pray. And he's like, all right, guys, let's talk about conduct. Yes. Yeah. And then I start (laughs) going and, you know, the band is kind of like preparing, you know, when you say something powerful and they kind of like swell behind you. It got to the point where I was like, hey, and I just want to make sure, you know, uh, there's no nudity in public areas. (laughs) And the band's like, swell, 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 swell. Everyone, one person per bed. Yeah. So gone. Yes. So that was a big fail. So I learned my lesson to make sure we're having this discussion with the students before we ever leave for camp. So that is the process that we've come up with. It's still in development. I know there's a lot of people out there that are thinking through this, hopefully at this point. And I think it's a good thing to think about because we've got to create spaces to have open dialogue about these things. We've got to create safe spaces for conversation 
and we got to make sure these trips are accessible to all sorts of people because you said it in the beginning, change of place, change of pace, change of heart. Mm -hmm. And there's something powerful about youth trips. I'm sure people listen to this podcast right now. Many of them have been changed for Jesus on a youth trip or called to ministry on a youth trip or heard the voice of God very clearly, full volume on a youth trip. So we don't want to exclude certain people from our trips. We want to make a safe and inclusive space for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's our goal is to create environments where students can hear the gospel in a way that they can hear it and actually understand it and see that the volunteers, the staff, the adults that are all within the inner workings of an overnight camp live that out mm-hmm. in, in a way that our conduct shows that and our conversation shows that. So Yeah. I'd say one of the questions that we get a lot when we talk about this is how do you actually discipline people? You've laid out the rules. If somebody so are you telling me, you know, Tyler, if you know, two guys sit on the same bed that they're gonna go home from camp? And absolutely not. That that's not the rule. There's gotta be wisdom. There's gotta be discernment that's used here. But everybody knows the rules. And so what we do is basically if someone breaks rules, so take that, for instance, if two guys are sitting on the bed, the adult leader in that room is equipped and is told it needs to tell them, hey, guys, I know you're just hanging out, but we do have one of the rules is you got to be on your own bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. If there's an issue after that, or if they don't listen, or if there's pushback, those adult leaders pair up with one of our staff members, and then we have a conversation. And if they're still not willing to go by those rules, or if they're repeating the same behaviors over and over again, then unfortunately there comes a time where we've got to call parents and we got to send them home because it becomes a distraction. If there's something that's more significant in the area of romantic expression or something like that, you know, two people sneaking off and doing something, then yeah, you got to send them home. Otherwise, because mm-hmm. that, that, that's become too big of an issue and you want to deal with that and you want to make sure that's part of the conversation, but you need to do that after camp. But you certainly want to rope in and you don't want your volunteers to be the people that have to have the difficult conversation that needs to be staffed. Because just quite frankly, most volunteers are not equipped to have this kind of sensitive conversation. But it matters a lot. And this is a topic that is not going away. And so we're going to keep improving on this. We're going to keep learning from it. We're going to keep studying the scriptures and pray that God shows up and does what only he can do in this area. So Victoria, it's been a great conversation. Anything else you want to say before we conclude? Well, really, again, just reiterating our goal in every overnight camp when it comes to middle school and high school students, no matter what they struggle with or what they're going through, we are creating an environment and a space for them to hear the gospel Mm -hmm. in a way that they can understand it, in a way that they can see adult leaders and people that they interact with live it out because really we don't know what's going on at home. And so we want to create the environment where we can show them, hey, God has a design for your life. And really, you are made in the image of God. And Mm -hmm. we want to celebrate that. And we want to really focus on it. So yeah, that's always the heart behind when we're thinking and planning of all these overnight camps and overnight mission trips and all of that is you're made in the image of God. We want you to know what God's design looks like for your life. And ultimately, we want you to understand the gospel and why we believe what we believe. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, Victoria, thanks for the conversation. So grateful for everything that you add to our team and to our church. You're a theologian. You love Jesus (laughs) and you keep us all sane. So thank you so much. And thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a good one. Wow, that was so, so good and informative. And we're going to link some of those resources that they referred to in our show notes for our listeners. Yeah, that really was excellent. And I'm so grateful that we have people like Pastor Tyler and Victoria serving with our students 
So I hope all of our listeners will join us next time, and we're going to talk about how to create a culture of hospitality through systems and shepherding. I'm Jimmy Scroggins. I'm signing off for Leslie Bennett, Tyler Corp, Victoria Rodriguez. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.